Welcome to CropSense, presented by North Carolina Cooperative Extension. I'm Jacob Morgan, a field crops agent with North Carolina Cooperative Extension. Today, we have Dr. Wes Everman and Dr. Charlie Cahoon, Extension Weed Specialist with North Carolina Cooperative Extension. Good morning, Dr. Everman. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm an associate professor in the Department of Crop and Soil Sciences, and I primarily work as an extension specialist with small grains and soybean weed control. Dr. Cahoon, same question. Yeah, hey, Jacob, thanks for having us on. I'm, I'm Charlie Cahoon, uh, Extension Weed Specialist and Assistant Professor in Crop and Soil Sciences. Uh, and my specialty is weed management in corn and cotton. So I've asked both of these uh, excellent weed specialists here today to talk about a little bit about herbicides early in the season. So we started off really, really wet, and then we started planting, and then it turned off really dry. And so there's some questions we had regarding that. What's our strategy going forward? What are some things we should be concerned about? So first question is the effect of this dry weather has had on our residual herbicides. Is it making them last longer or degrading them faster? I'll, I'll tackle that real quick. And I think maybe first we need to kind of split that into two different scenarios. And, and maybe we'll, we'll split it as we go further through it. But first off is, you know, did we plant with a little bit of rain and then it turned dry, or did we plant after all the rain was dry? So, or after all the rain had already come and it stayed dry since we sprayed that residual. So we have two kind of scenarios where, you know, maybe we planted, sprayed that pre, got an activating rain, and then it stayed dry ever since, which is probably our best case scenario with this dry weather. And then the worst case scenario would be we planted the moisture, sprayed our pre, and we haven't seen a drop since. So if we've got, if he, if he sprayed after the rain quit, then this pre is pretty much doing nothing for us. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. I, I mean, essentially, yeah. We wouldn't have that activation, that pre-herbicide wouldn't be in the soil, wouldn't be working on the weeds. Anything that would germinate would be coming up through that herbicide layer and, and essentially not be affected. You might get a little bit of activity on stuff that's right at the surface, but anything coming up from any depth is probably going to give us problems down the road. If he sprayed and got a half inch of rain to activate it, should it last longer with this dry weather? In theory, yes. It'll depend a little bit on temperature. You know, the cooler weather probably kept it around for us, slowed down the microbes, breaking it down. But yeah, that would be the ideal situation. Actually, that's probably the best case scenario with the pre, right? We, we plant, we spray that pre, we get enough rainfall to incorporate that herbicide in the soil. It gets down to that germination zone of the seeds, acts on those you know, weeds that may be coming up, and then it dries off. And we just sit there, there's no moisture, so those weeds aren't germinating anymore. When we do get another rainfall, there's probably still enough herbicide in that soil because we'd have reduced microbial activity as well. So we may actually see some extended residual activity in that type of situation. All right, Dr. Cahoon, should we be concerned about getting residuals activated if we're, say we're still planting soybeans? Hopefully, I think most of the cotton's planted, but we'll say people still planting cotton, spraying right behind the planter. Should we be concerned about getting these residuals activated or if we're coming back with a lay-by herbicide application with no rain in the forecast. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the 
questions that Wes and I are getting common right now is, you know, I'm looking at my forecast, my extended forecast, and there's nothing above a 25% chance of rain. Is it worth my time to put a residual out? And my opinion on it, and I think Wes would agree, is you're definitely not going to get a residual activated if you don't have it in the tank. Now, with that said, you know, what's that time frame for, for getting something activated? Uh, we would like to see our residuals activated with, within a week. I would say 10 days max. You know, you just run into an issue of that next flush of weeds coming up before activation if you don't get it activated within that time period. But also something else to consider is maybe not thinking about leaving the residual out completely, but maybe say, okay, I don't have a good chance for rain. So maybe I'm on a, I've got several residual options. Maybe I'll do something a little cheaper um, because I just don't have a good chance of getting it activated versus my premium residual treatments. You know, maybe I'll save those when I have a better rain chance. I think that's the way we need to approach this, not taking them out, but maybe uh, making a, you know, kind of a risk-based assessment for their use with, with no good chance of rain in the forecast. And I would say Charlie's got it right on the head too, because if you don't have it in the tank, you know, you risk getting behind. I'm sure everybody listening to this remembers, and this has happened in recent years, right? The last few years, we have dry periods where we slow up in the field and, and then all of a sudden it gets wet, right? And then it rains for a week or maybe two on and off, right? And next thing you know, it's two or three weeks. We haven't been in some of these fields. Those weeds aren't going to wait until we get our residual herbicides out there, get a chance to spray. And if they have two or three weeks to take off and get growing, we're, we're starting to lose our post-emergence options, on, especially on Palmer Amaranth, right? So we need to have some of that cheap insurance or just some insurance out there in the form of a residual before that happens. So the weed pressure right this minute doesn't seem to be real severe because of the dry weather, but there are some fields that have some weeds how is this real dry weather, limited soil moisture affect application of our post-emergent herbicides, you know, our Roundups, our uh, Liberties, our 2,4-D, our Dicambas, those types of things? That's a good question. So that's an, another common question we're getting now. You know, in addition to residuals getting them activated, how is this dry weather going to affect post-emergence act activity? And it's been well proven that hot, dry conditions make it harder to control weeds. If you think about one of the first things that happens in response to, to moisture stress is that plant tries to, to limit transpiration and what goes along with that, that natural mechanism of limiting transpiration is that cuticle or that waxy outer layer of that leaf gets thick. And the problem with that is that's barrier of entry for a herbicide into the plant. So if that barrier gets thicker, it's harder to get some of these herbicides into the plant. And then after that, you have limited translocation because the weeds aren't growing, you know, and it's just becomes much more difficult. And, you know, the systemics are one that we really think about being highly affected by hot and dry conditions, but the contacts as well, they have to cross that, that cuticle to get into the plant and cause, you know, cell membrane destruction. So it's really something to consider. And another piece to add to that, uh, that's all spot on with those contacts, you think about like a sickle pod or some of the other weeds that actually close up their leaves, you know, to conserve moisture and you don't get that leaf contact that you need for control. So 
it's going to be a little bit species specific. You, you want to be definitely looking what's out there, how bad they are. Some of the research that we've been doing recently, it's ongoing work looking at moisture stress and competition. And we're starting to do some uh, herbicide work uh, under moisture stress. What I found interesting, say for example, Palmer amaranth, it doesn't stop growing below ground when it stops above ground. So if we have that moisture stress going on, it actually looks like it's reallocating energy down to the roots and those roots really take off and grow deep in the soil looking for that soil moisture. So everything said so far is you're probably not you know, going to get as much control spraying, but we're, we're trying to refine this maybe a little bit more to, in getting some more understanding what's going on physiologically, because once that drought stress is relieved, that Palmer amaranth has a heck of a root structure under it to take back off. And maybe it takes us a few days to get in, but it's got those roots under it to really give it a push and compete with that crop. So hopefully in the next few years, we'll start having some a little bit better answered, a little bit more refined feel for what's going on under these droughty conditions. Yeah, that's a great point, Wes. I, 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 I do say, you know, I, when grower, a grower asks that question, I'm not discouraging them from spraying, you know, because a lot of times the weeds are still growing and the bigger they get, the harder they are to control. You know, some things that I try to get them to take into consideration is, hey, maybe let's spray in the morning before the heat of the day, before things start shutting down for the day, you know, if there is limited moisture. And especially with the pattern we're in right now where there's not a good chance for moisture in the next 14 days, you know, the moisture situation, although it's bad, it's probably as good as it's going to get in the near future. So pull the trigger while the weeds are small and know that we may get a little less efficacy, but treating them when they're small is, is probably more important. Yeah. And then again, you know, I'm, I'm going to choose this as the horse I'm going to ride, I guess, in, in this podcast. But if it starts raining again and we get in a pattern of rain every few days, we might not get in the field for that post spray. So we, we got to keep that in mind in the back of our mind as we make these decisions. So stay on schedule when it's time to spray, spray. So is there something we can do maybe to offset that efficacy issue, increasing the rate, using a different surfactant? Are there any strategies like that that someone could implement to maybe help bump that control up a little bit in these trying times? Personally, I would say you know, you ask 10 people that question, you're going to get 10 different answers, I bet. Um, generally, it's, I, I think you can add some stuff to the tank, you know, to heat it up. I guess that, to me, that's how I would look at it as much as anything, right? So, like Charlie was saying, if you're spraying in the morning when those plants are open, and you maybe put a little more oil to it, you know, methylated seed oil, something like that, you can heat it up and, maybe get a little better burn on the plants. You know, just, you're, you're just looking to try to burn them off if they're small weeds. If they've got any size to them, it might help a little bit, but it's probably not going to be a long-term solution. But on the flip side, you got to look at what your crop's doing as well. Because you add that oil, you're, you're likely to cause a crop response, right, in my experience. 
Charlie yeah, I agree. Jeff, I agree with Wes that it's it's a trade off. You know, when you think about if we got a thicker cuticle, the, you know, the best way to penetrate that cuticle better is you know with with the cropples if that's an option, the adjuvant option for the product that you're using. But comes again, what comes with that is potential for more crop injury in most situations. So it's it's definitely a trade off. All right, so I'm going to ask a question, and if it's not if it's not accurate, you can tell me. That's not going to hurt my feelings at all. But it seems like in the past we've had these really dusty, you know, dry spells. People are out spraying Roundup specifically, it seems like. And there seems to be tracks through the field. I don't know if it's the, the dust settling on the plants is is tying up the Roundup or the glyphosate. Or if there's something else going on or it's just, just something I made up in my head. It's definitely something. Uh, I see it more farther down east in the the blacklands when it starts getting dusty in the blacklands there's a lot of conventional tillage so the risk for dust is a little more um and and you see it like you said in the wheel tracks you know i've always you know thought it was a couple of different things going on you know you're laying over the weeds in the wheel track they're getting kind of mashed down so that can probably limit control there and then you know obviously if you're getting dust on those plants one reason why roundup doesn't have any residual activity is it's you know tightly bound to soil uh, so, you know, that would make sense if there's a, some dust on there that might limit absorption into into the plant. Uh, and I've seen, you know, some folks that have tried to get around it. You know, a lot of folks put in their wheel tracks, they'll put a, a larger orifice nozzle right behind their wheels to get a little, a little more output, a little more GPA in those wheel tracks to kind of overcome some of that. So, yeah, I think it's definitely something that, that folks talk about quite a bit when it gets dusty and Wes may you know I think it's like Wes pointed out it may be something that's a little, you know more common in the Midwest and he you know he could shed some light on that I think it's you know, what you said is is spot on so definitely the solutions you mentioned and the challenges you you mentioned are, are top of the list so it may be an issue but it's not worth staying out of the field <laughs> We don't want to forego that roundup application just in case the possibility of, of leaving a few weeds in the wheel tracks. Is there anything else that the listeners need to know or maybe some common questions y'all have been getting that, uh, that you'd want to talk about before we wrap this podcast up? Yeah, I was going to bring up the, the replant situation, you know, with challenging planting conditions for cotton. You know, Wes and I are getting questions about what we can do as far as replanting, either replanting cotton or going to soybeans. And I'll, I'll kind of talk about replanting cotton behind cotton is not an issue with, with most of our products outside of warrant. You know, we've got some research here in North Carolina, some in Georgia, you know, similar research in Georgia. Warrant is encapsulated, but when it breaks, those capsules break down, it becomes unencapsulated acetochlor, and that was never registered for use on cotton, rightfully so. Uh, and it doesn't happen all the time, but there's some situations where if those capsules break down and we replant into that warrant that's broken down, we can have some stand loss and injury. So we've been telling folks, you know, wait three weeks, no till. If you have uh, the ability to strip till and can run those ripper shanks real deep and bring some fresh dirt up into the planting zone or seeding zone that, you know, maybe two weeks and then I'll let Wes kind of touch on, you know, the considerations for soybeans. And then soybeans, you know, we got a lot bigger window to plant. And hopefully folks aren't stressing as hard about um, trying to get in and, and 
plant in these conditions with their beans. You know, let let that moisture come and then put them in the ground. I have had some folks ask about, you know, they've planted beans, the stand doesn't look great, and they're trying to decide what to do next. And honestly, it's it's kind of a personal call. Um, if you work that ground and come back with beans, you, you want to look at what you put down on herbicide, but because we've already done some tillage, you're probably going to want, you know, you're probably going to want to put something out. You're, you may be reaching season maximums on some of the products, so just pay attention to what's been put out and what you might be adding. It's going to be very case-by-case case specific. Uh, if you just go back in and plant without, you know, taking out the stand that was there, you don't have as much worry about that herbicide getting mixed into the soil, uh, and you may still be getting some activity once we get some rain. But uh, as far as planting those beans, replanting, there, there really shouldn't be much concern with the herbicides we put out on beans already. Thank you for your time today, guys, discussing uh, weed control in early season dry weather. Thanks for having us on, Jacob. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And as always, thanks for listening to Crop Sense, because if it isn't making money, it isn't making sense.